All right, so welcome to Unsigned 518. I'm here with Gabe Stallman of Ampfane. Gabe, how's, how's it going? How's it going? Um, we, were, we were talking just before we got rolling, and we literally just met, what, four minutes ago, maybe five minutes ago? And I was saying that that's kind of what this is going to be, us getting to know each other. So as usual, I always like cut conversation short and be like, wait, hold on, let's record. So we have a, a topic that we were kind of already into and maybe before we get into Ampbane and the history of Ampbane, let's let's flesh out the rest of this conversation on the pod. So we were basically talking about band's influences and like, you know, how you you grew up on music and you take a little bit of this music, a little bit of that music and create your own kind of music. And I was saying how I see a lot of people that are almost like not ashamed, but are very guarded in their influences and i guess that's kind of where we were we were going with that whereas i like shout out my influences you know like well i was saying that um kind of a big lesson for me back in middle school even um i grew up on a lot of weird owl music as and um in addition to all of his parodies he would do kind of style parodies so he'd write a song in the style of cake or in the style of rage against the machine or something and um but they would be original songs and so when I started writing music, um, just the kind of that concept was the inspiration. I would write a song that sounds like the White Stripes or a song that sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. And um, if you can kind of get close to that aesthetic that teaches you how to write a song and then you can start combining and saying, you, you were saying that in your band, you thought like, let's do something like the Ramones or Blink-22. Or you could do a song with the verse sounds like Ramones and the chorus sounds like Blink-182, and now you've got your own style. And, uh, yeah, and our guitarist brought a song. We've played it live once, and like we're going to work on it more, but we basically call it Lonnie's Pixies song. Mm-hmm. You know, It's a totally original song, and, but we're like, that sounds like a fucking Pixies tune. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, well, that's, listen, not, that's not a, an accident. You know, like, Yeah, I mean, every Led Zeppelin song right, was right. stolen from somebody or... Give it away by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Dun, 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 is Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath. It's, uh, it's the same yeah. riff. It's just funked out instead well, of the, the heavy fuzz or something. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's cool, you know. And like I said, that, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Like if you know, if it's your influence, like unless you were like uh, raised in a vacuum and you'd never heard a note of music in your life, and then you are tasked with writing a song, you're gonna have influences. So I think you should embrace the influences and it's also a good way to introduce people to your music you know absolutely yeah oh we kind of sound yeah and it just it's just the love of music if you really love a band then you're gonna take after that tarantino all of his movies is just him trying to make the kung fu movies that he loved from like the 70s or whatever so it's just and he will show that he'll say oh this character was based off of this western that i watched or something and there's no reason to hide it it's a new extension of the same idea yeah, and it's just prolonging a, an art form or something that you like. You're helping to like cement it, uh, give it a little more longevity or whatever. Like, yeah, so I really dig that. Yeah, and when I was younger, and I mean, we were talking too, like how I'd never really been in bands other than in the last in the last seven or eight years. I was in a couple cover bands and then this, but this is my first original band that I've ever been in at you know almost fifty years old. But when I was younger like writing songs they were more just for my own personal use because like i didn't have an outlet for them but like i would always when i would write a song and i'd be like shit that sounds like a smashing pumpkin song i would get rid of it Mm -hmm. and like like now like older and wiser i'm like why did i get rid of all you know why did i not pursue that because it sounded like something else and that was like a a huge no-no to like have it sound like someone else but yeah, I was I was listening to. Uh, do you ever listen to Rick Rubin's podcast? Yeah. The uh, I don't remember the example he gave, so whatever I say is not going to be what he sure. said. But um, when he was working with people like Johnny Cash or something, and they say, "Oh, I don't know where to go from here," and go, "Okay, who have you been listening to lately?" Neil Young. Okay, the next song you write, pretend you're writing a song for Neil Young, and it's not going to sound like a Neil Young song. It's going to sound like Johnny Cash because he's the one that wrote it. Right. But he's thinking of like the Neil Young aesthetic when he does it. And then it has a whole new atmosphere to it. Yeah. It's just, you know, people shouldn't be, or, you know, not people like I'm a, like I'm old man yelling at cloud or something, but like, don't be so guarded with art, 
you know, let it, let it flow. Let it go to, let it come in from everywhere and let it go out to everyone is what yeah, I've always it's said. All, like, it's all just existing. Yeah. There's no, there's no competition. Yeah. No, there's definitely no competition. There's yeah. room for well, And I always like, I'm, I'm a guitar teacher, so I try, try to talk to my students about this stuff. And it's like, nobody ever looks at a painting of the sky and says, oh, well, they're cheating because the sky was already there. <laughs> right. And you go, oh, this is an awesome painting. Oh, yeah, whatever. Clouds were already done before. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, totally. Try something new. <laughs> right. Draw, ah, I mean, I, I have, like, zero drawing artistic yeah. ability, but I get what you're saying. But, like, there's room for everybody, and I don't like to shut out any kinds of music. You know, I listen to a lot of music, and I, I like to... Now that, I, like I said, that I'm older and I have an outlet, I'm cool with just being like, yeah, yeah, let it rip. That song that sounds like a Blink-182 song, fucking let's do it. Yeah, Whatever. Maybe let's we need more Blink-182 songs. Yeah, we might. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, now that we finished the conversation that I had to uh, capture before uh, before we got rolling, let's talk a little bit about Amp Vane. Mm-hmm. I was listening. Um, like I said, I don't do any research on the band. But I was list- I just listened to the music, so I was listening to the music, and I- that's kind of what got me thinking about influences, because I was picking out little things as I was walking around the house, you know, with it cranking through the speakers, and I heard like s- some Mars Volta in there. Absolutely, I heard like maybe a little Tool and Pink Floyd ish. Like I also heard maybe like a little jam bandy stuff. Like, but it was so original. But it was comforting, I guess would be a good word. You know what I mean? It sounded familiar, even though it was the first time I'd heard it. So let's go, I guess, into the history of how that sound, which is super tight, by the way, uh, how that kind of came to be. Cool. Um, Well, you totally got it. I mean, those are all huge influences for us. Um, It, I guess, starting at the beginning, um, I was in a band in high school. and um big red hot chili peppers knockoff that was you know just trying to be a 90s band sure and um i loved the music that we were making but every once in a while i'd write a riff that was in seven or i'd write a song that had a key change in it and members of the band would say oh we can't do that that's not that's not what gets on the radio and first of all it totally is every right. pop song still has a key change at the end and you know tools on the radio although and, although uh I, wa- I saw a graph online not to interrupt but yeah. i saw a graph online the other day of key changes in top oh, is 40 the Rick songs Beato yeah post yeah and as it's like going it's like going down and nobody changes key anymore man yeah. <laughs> like so I, I mean it just you know but just throwing little things like that in or you know money by pink floyd is in seven it's right. one of the most iconic songs ever and so I, I was trying to do kind of like pretty surface level um you know just hey let's try this and experiment and not make everything in four four for you know verse chorus verse chorus format or whatever and I got away with it in one or two songs, but they didn't like it, and right. they voiced their opinion very strongly that they didn't <laughs> like it. Um, and so eventually that band broke up, um, so we couldn't decide on a, <clears throat> on a direction to go in. Shocker. And um, at that same time, I got in a really bad snowboard accident and was in bed for like a month and a half or something. I shattered my foot and had to get surgery and like... And so I was in bed with an acoustic guitar next to me, and this is like a year into, maybe a year and a half into getting really obsessed with Mars Volta. And so I was just listening to Francis the Mute over and over again, and I was like, okay, if I was going to like really pick a musical direction to go into, not necessarily that I just want to sound like Mars Volta, but I want to, you know, especially being 17, listening to them, it's kind of the... You've never heard any music like that if that's the first band that you've heard right. like that. It's just the the other side of, you know, the experimental music world doesn't exist yet. And so um, um, I was just kind of listening to that and thinking, how could I kind of combine what do I like about this music? What do I like about, you know, other experimental bands, which for me at the time was Tool and Primus and Pink Floyd? <laughs> um, uh, Tool and Primus and Pink Floyd and stuff like that. Um, 
and kind of like how can I go down the rabbit hole of making music like that and so the whole first year was trying to write a musical idea that if I played it for somebody no one would agree that it was a musical idea and then experimenting <laughs> with turning it into a song that could still be musical or catchy. And when you say presenting it to someone, you mean bare bones, like a just a friend, guitar, just saying just like, like, here's, like, here's, this, what do you think here's a riff. This is kind of the parts, and uh, it would just be a strange riff. It'd just be something that was really jagged or really kind of out there, and like, oh, that doesn't sound like a song. And then figuring out how to write bass and drums and stuff and keyboard to it to make it musical when it's not eventually. Um, and so I did that for basically all the songs on the first EP from like 2013 was that idea. And it's all instrumental. I was hoping that I could find a singer and I couldn't. Um, so then I was in college for music and um, recorded another song while I was kind of getting into jam bands, there's the local band 10 years ago called Dirty Paris. Did you ever know them? Uh, I did not. Um, they were amazing. They're just, when I was in high school, huge influence. They're almost like Umphreys McGee meets Radiohead. Or that's the best way that I can describe it with like a bunch of like, their guitar player has like Django Reinhardt style down too. He's like a professional, like a like hot club jazz player in uh Colorado now their bass player tours uh like played Red Rocks a year oh, or two wow. ago in um in his new jam band but um so when I was 16 watching them I was like these guys are incredible and then um when I turned 18 and could start going out to shows more I saw them a bunch and I was like oh well you know Led Zeppelin jams and Pink Floyd jams and Chili Peppers jam and stuff so we can start incorporating a little bit more of that and I think for the first EP, it was more of a, um, um, I was thinking less jam and I was thinking more kind of sound design, not that it wasn't jammy, but sound design and kind of like, um, like the jam and echoes by Pink Floyd or something okay. where it is a guitar solo, but it's a lot of just kind of weird like stuff. And so for that next EP that I recorded in school, I was going out to see Dirty Paris and a lot of bands that they were kind of associated with a lot. And I kind of wrote a song that was in the first style and then wrote a song that was in the second style and just kind of tacked them together. So it was like, here's the weird riff stuff. Here's a cool jam for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, and then, and that was also when I was kind of giving up on like, okay, we're not going to have a singer. We have to be an instrumental band. And then after that came out, I realized that I really didn't like it that much. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I want to do songs. I'm going to have to sing because we can't find a singer. Um, and now I haven't written anything instrumental since then. And I, I, the riffs and everything come first, but I'm designing them to support vocals and kind of be more of a song idea now. Cool. And um, there's still, you know, there's no no safety away from jamming and stuff like we're still going out especially live but i'm i'm thinking of it a little bit more as songs even when they're like really going out and doing a lot of different parts and stuff now cool uh is there one that you want to play now? um yeah let's do Remethew off um we re recorded an album in 2017 and okay. released it in 2018 it's a live album um and uh, basically, we just recorded our live set at a pro studio, no overdubs or anything. And Remethew was the first song that I wrote with myself singing that I was like, oh, this is officially the direction I want to take the band in. So I think that's a good one to start at. Cool. And so you just basically had it all set up with multi-tracks, played live, and then you know, yeah, mixed, I, mixed I, it. Yeah, I overdubbed the vocals because we recorded oh. early in the morning, so it was a little <laughs> crusty sounding. Got you. Um, and we were talking before, you know, we're both, uh, you know, yeah. I call it the limp lungs. You exactly. know, I can't go anywhere without my inhaler. So I understand the uh, early morning <laughs> yeah. shit. Like, so, so I was a little crusty. So we overdubbed the vocals, um, but I think we just took, we played through the song four or five times and just took the best take. Cool. And that was it. And what was the name of the tune? Uh, Remethew. Remethew? Yeah. All right. So let's listen to Remethew by Ampavine. And uh, we'll be right back to talk to Gabe. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so that was Ramithiu Ampavine, and I, I pronounced the name wrong earlier, you know, because I'd only ever seen it in writing, so I was pronouncing it Ampvane, but it's Ampavine, correct? That's it. All right, so now we got it right. So now, you know, everybody can stop making fun of me for pronouncing shit wrong. <laughs> so you have a new song um, that by the time this airs, I don't even know when this will air, because uh, I usually stack them up a little bit, but certainly by the time this airs, because it's coming out very soon, you have a new tune, and what's the name of that one? Uh, it's called The Chemistress. The Chemistress, and we were talking, I mean, I you sent it to me, um, so I you know I always get sneak peeks of songs on this show, which I think is awesome, but why don't you talk a little bit about what went into the making of it, because you were saying, you know, and I wouldn't allow you to tell me what you were, because I wanted to record it, but you said there was a lot that went into the making of it, so why don't we... Um... So I guess, should I start lyrically or musically? Uh, so why don't you start lyrically and then go into the music? Okay, so lyrically, um, the general concept of the song is um, it's kind of supposed to be a commercial for the album and not necessarily, it, it's a single, but it in my head it goes a little further than that. Um, so basically the idea of the chemistress is the chemistress is a character that came together um, who is in my head almost a cross between like uh, Baba Yaga from like folklore <laughs> and Darth Vader or something. All right. So almost this kind of like like witch android hybrid or something um, that has become an android over thousands of years of doing this kind of like weird dark alchemy that um, you know only she knows the recipe for, but it's brutal and horrifying and whatever you know kind of use the lyrics to make your own story for it and um she is a fortune teller that people kind of go and talk to and she and ask questions about you know their future or want stories because she can see into alternate dimensions um sometimes she um exists as kind of like a warning for people and sees things before they happen sometimes people have to ask what they need to do and whatever um so the song is um kind of four different points of view of dialogue of um one is kind of like a third person narrator one is the chemistress one is any of the many people that talk to the chemistress and one is kind of the spirits that the chemistress is communicating with from each alternate dimension that are kind of helping her get answers for whatever she's talking about. Um, and most of this song is hints about lyrics coming in other songs on the album. <laughs> so awesome. um, so every every statement that she makes or the spirits make or a question is related to the actual story of another full song on the album that she is the narrator. Of. And is it going to be the opening track on the new album? To... I haven't decided it haven't yet. Decided I haven't it. recorded the rest of the music oh, yet. Okay. It's, all, it's all written. Um, so after this, um, maybe by the time this airs, um, I'm going to hopefully set up a Kickstarter and see if I can get some donations to record the album. Cause the musically it's a lot more ambitious than the story is too. So there's like a lot of time in the studio that, that I have to spend on layering and doing weird kind of technical tricks. But um, but so that's the idea of this song, The Chemistress. It's kind of the, um, the what is it, prelogue, prologue? <laughs> Before the story. Yeah, of, prologue. Uh, <laughs> prologue. Um, of every other song on the album. All right, awesome. That's it. And then, <laughs> so musically, I mean, you know, obviously we'll, we'll hear the song mm -hmm. after we talk about it, but what went into... To making uh, laying down the music for for it. Um, well, I can get really nerdy about the um, <laughs> about like the actual like theory behind it or the the recording stuff. I guess I'll get nerdy about the theory first, which is um, over over COVID. I studied with a guy named Matt Hollenberg. Um, I was kind of getting depressed because. Not that I felt great about my guitar playing, but I realized I was kind of out of questions. 
Um, so uh, every musical question that I had of like, how do you get this sound or what is, you know, what's this band thinking when they write this? I had kind of gotten to the point that I could answer all those questions, which didn't mean anything about my ability as a musician. It just meant that I needed to get more questions. Right. Um, and I, uh, I'm a big fan of John Zorn. Do you know who that is? I don't. He is like, um, there's going to be people yelling at their Spotify for me saying this, but I think he's kind of like what Frank Zappa wishes that he could be. Um, he's hot take, <laughs> very hot take. But if you dive into John Zorn, I think you'd understand. Um, he's not as like goofy as Frank Zappa, but musically, he's just like he releases ten thousand albums, and he's just he thinks of it as like a nine to five. Like he just wakes up in the morning and sits at a desk and notates music for eight hours, and then spends time with his wife or something. And so if you're writing eight hours a day, you're just going to pump out a million things. And he's got everything from like surf music to black metal to classical stuff to jazz. Mm -hmm. He's worked with Mark Rebo, who's played with like Tom Waits. He's worked with, um, um, who's that other, um, big guitar player. I'm blanking on his name, but, um, oh, Julian Lodge, she plays with, who's like a big jazz guy. Um, but anyway, uh, I saw a John Zorn show. It was a trio um Modesky, the organ player was there um this guy that ended up uh, i ended up taking lessons from matt hollenberg and the drummer was kenny grahowski which who plays with imperial triumphant which is like a crazy metal band that's awesome so just super different sounds combining but anyway they blew my mind um i saw that like early 2020 and then in late 2020 when the world was closed and i was like i gotta get better at music um I just messaged Matt on Facebook and said, Hey, I saw that show. You blew my mind. Teach me whatever you can teach <laughs> me. Like, I don't have any questions. Give me questions. So I know what to work on basically. And, um, we spent like almost a year working on, um, the idea of like tuplets and nested tuplets, which is basically a way to, um, uh, to erase the grid in music that we follow as a beat. And you were joking that everything's in four four. This is a way to make. No, no you got to finish it. In... Everything's in four four. If you stop being such a fucking music nerd, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I am a music nerd, and I can so make everything. I, I can make everything four four. Um, kind of using this idea. So it's kind of like if you write something that's in nine, for example. Um, instead of having the drums play along with your nine. The drums can play in 4-4 and you just play 9 faster. And it messes with what the listener's hearing. It sounds like the song's going da 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 It sounds like it's kind of like speeding up and slowing down. But it's all keeping time with itself. But it's all in time because the rest of the music is creating the grid that the listener can be comfortable with. And then kind of inside of it, you can be freeform. And it's interesting because... You know, on top of it being a really music nerdy thing, um, it almost makes music more palatable because going through life, we don't have a grid. If a car right. goes by, it's not on a time signature. Um, so you can almost kind of recreate the sounds of life better in music if you use these ideas, if you can kind of like study and get in, get a comf- comfortable idea of it. Um, so there's a couple parts in the song where this is happening like four like with four instruments at once where the drums are playing a nine. Um, the guitar is playing nine over seven. Um, and uh, I have no idea what the saxophone is doing. I just wrote <laughs> it and it's whatever, whatever's happening is happening. Um, but so it kind of, it makes the song sound more chaotic because it's not something that's really heard in music other than, frank zappa stuff or like it's in like looney tunes music a lot when people like fall down the stairs if you hear like dun 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 yeah. that that's kind of almost the same idea um you hear that in classical music a lot too, right exactly right? yeah but it it just doesn't really exist in rock music right. as we know it the fall of troy i think does it um if you listen to them ever they're really cool kind of post-hardcore band um people jazz guys are do it a lot also but again like just kind of regular radio rock it doesn't hasn't jumped into that because people think it's a little too experimental but it doesn't have to be you just have to learn how to use it musically um so that's happening a lot all throughout the song in um 
the the bass is kind of changing throughout the song so that kind of pushes it and i don't think anybody will even be able to hear that this stuff is happening when they listen to the song but this is why i think it's cool um and then on top of that just um so many layers in the studio and um i spent a really long time um kind of setting up chaining my pedal board and the bassist pedal board together to make you know this you know 35 pedal you know <laughs> extravaganza and um sending my vocals through it and kind of so all the dialogue in the song um it still sounds like a voice when you listen to it just out of speakers as a you know as something to check out but when you listen to it with headphones there's different effects on each voice so you can kind of see who's talking to who and you can hear different sides of the conversation and stuff um and um then there's a lot of you know counter harmonies where um Ava, our keyboardist, is um, I just told her to make a melody that fits basically. And um, the way that she fits with like the saxophonist or something is not something that I came up with other than like, hey, I want you to put something here. She comes up with just absolutely genius ideas that complete the harmony that a different instrument did that I didn't even know that that harmony would be there until she kind of put it together. And so there's a lot of just like weird little Easter eggs in the music. If you listen to it 10 times with headphones, I think you'll hear something different every time. Cool. Well, uh, do you want to, do you want to play it or is there anything else that you want to add? Let's listen to it. So, uh, (laughs) what was What was the name of it again? It's called the chemistress, the chemistress. And so make sure if you have headphones, especially if you've got like nice studio headphones to definitely listen. And is there any like binaural stuff happening when you're like in the, um, thing, you know, is there, cause I listen to a lot of, it, this is i mean you want to talk about nerdy i listen to a lot of uh self-hypnosis shit <laughs> and there's always like that binaural voice that's in the back of the right ear which is like a nice mastering trick that people do do you fuck with any so. of that shit what do you mean just it... just of like a speaking voice in the background or, or just uh, sometimes it's a speaking voice that's countering what's mm-hmm. in the main voice so like you kind of can't hear it but like i said it's panned all the way to the right and like kind of if you were in a car it would be coming out of like the yeah the back left speaker only type of thing and you can only hear that in headphones like if you listen to it in speakers you know it's um, it's just on the same level there there's a lot of stuff that you can only hear in headphones but i think for at least for the vocals a lot of stuff my favorite nerdy thing that I did <laughs> musically, um, like in the studio, was um, I took my voice for the... I, I already have kind of like three to four part harmonies going at different points in the song. Um, but in the chorus and the pre-chorus, I took my voice and um, I split it into two tracks. And one track, I have this kind of glitch pedal that um, it's, it's a Johnny Greenwood kind of inspired thing where it just makes everything sound like computer glitches basically nice. and um i sent my voice through that and then through a delay pedal and then through um like a modulation filter and then on the other side i sent it through a loop pedal and then delay modulation and then another loop pedal and so on one side you've got these kind of comp- computer glitches that are just kind of happening and kind of sounds like it's like breaking through from somewhere and then on the other side, um, I live sampled on both loop pedals. And so I'm kind of like DJing my voice on one channel and you're hearing like like old school like DJ glitches on one channel. And then on the other channel, you have this kind of like futuristic robot like computer noise that's breaking through. And I think you can hear those out of a speaker. But if you listen with headphones, you can hear the details and the way that they interact. And it's very yeah. strange. Yeah, I'll definitely revisit it again, and uh, and because you know, I, I'll, I'll listen to it the ten times and yeah. see what I can see what I can pull from it. But again, everybody, if you have headphones, uh, bust them out now because we're gonna listen to the chemistress, uh, Ampavine, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up with Gabe Stallman.
the chemistress, uh, Ampavine. So, uh, Gabe, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to drive out to what we refer to as the Dazzle Den, as for, for obvious reasons. Um, and before you go, like I give all my guests, I just want to give you the opportunity to say your gratitudes, your highs, your shout-outs, your whatever. So basically, microphone's all yours. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Um, and I'm just going to give a shout-out to Tim Lynch, who's the engineer for this song, um, who I just absolutely put through hell working on it. And I appreciate that he stuck with me to the end. And I'll, I'll leave it there. All right, cool. <laughs> I like it. Short and sweet. So uh, Gabe Stallman, Ampavine, I'm Andy Scullin. This is Unsigned 518, and I'll see you on the road. Unsigned 518 is produced in conjunction with Nippertown. You can find new episodes here every week on nippertown.com. If you are a band or musician in the 518 area code and would like to be on Unsigned 518, shoot me an email at unsigned518 at gmail.com. I'm your host, Andy Scullin. I'll be back next week with another episode of Unsigned 518. Thanks for listening.